HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by TechServe, New York's original and still the best Apple computer, iPod, and iPhone store and repair shop. For more information, visit TechServe.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Oh, it feels good to hear the theme song again. Yeah, welcome back, uh, Greg. Thanks. I am. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Brasnitz. The other half, your host, half a host. Wake up! I feel like half a host since I've been on. Do you need a coffee? I love coffee. Greg Brasnitz. It's good to be back in Brooklyn. If, I mean, everyone's complaining about the weather, but today is oh, gorgeous. Fuck off! You missed like the shittiest weather. Yeah, I've been gone for a while. So what? What's a polar vortex? Oh. <laughs> Shut up. It's been a good show, guys. See you later. (laughs) Uh, Well, first off, uh, very, very happy Mother's Day to our mother, our grandmother, all of our aunts. Welcome uh, to being the best mother day of all time ever. (laughs) We're absolutely missing. Yeah, Uh, but I mean, we'll be, you know, look, celebrating Mother's Day on Mother's Day is amateur hour. Yeah. Every, my Instagram feed tells me that um, every day is Mother's Day. You know, I also learned out that every, everyone's mom is a badass. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's true. Uh, we want to welcome back for, I want to say fourth year now? Is it fourth year? Five. Fifth year. Yeah. Fifth year. The one, the only, the blonde, Jordana Rothman. Welcome back. Hi, guys. I know we're a few months late for <laughs> our... Uh, 2015 prediction. Well, we were just talking about how... 2014. It's morphed from a prediction yeah. show. It's, it's, a, it's evolved. It's evolved. It's evolved, as, but, as all of us have. But normally we do this present. Do you mem- remember when now. Greg used to drag his knuckles on the ground? Now look at him. Upright. Upright, yeah. <laughs> really, it's, a, it's an evolution. Homo yeah. erection. Homo, like, yeah. You want to shout out your mom? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right after I said that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mom, just tune in at like the 2.13 mark, but not a second before. No, I think mom's listening live. Yeah. Of, no, mom's, mom's on her way home from Boston. But yeah, I want to I wanna shout out my mom. And you're right. It's not cool to celebrate Mother's Day on Mother's Day, which is why we're not celebrating today. But we're going to have a good time. Yeah, we're going down another to, night. Do you know when restaurants would love you if you came in like the Monday after Mother's Day, when they're probably dead, to like blow it out? Yeah, I mean restaurants love me. 
Not you. <laughs> not not you. It's the proverbial you, not Jordana. Oh, it's Rothman. like the royal the royal you. So um if you guys wanna hit a pause in the old podcast, you can go back this year and listen to our evolution of food show. Um I wonder if the tone's gonna be different this year because normally we're in the dead of winter and everyone's sort of just like fuck this. I feel like it was kind of springy last year, no? Yeah. When was, was it? it? Yeah, it was later in the year. So where uh, where do you want to start? Um, all right. Well, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I went back and looked on. Um, all right. We can just get a few things out of the way. Ramen, still big. Oh, did we talk about ramen last year? We did talk about ramen. Okay. And what did I say? Um, it was coming. Okay. So I, <laughs> sounds like probably not a thing that I said, yeah. um, but I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because I think that the sort of waves of ramen obsession in New York has kind of followed a similar trajectory as barbecue. Mm. Um, so you had like the first or coffee. So you yeah. have like the first wave of like barbecue places a few years back with like Hill Country and Daisy Maze and places like that. And everyone got excited about barbecue. And then it kind of tapered off for a little while. And then it came back. And what I would argue was sort of like a golden age of, of urban barbecue with like, uh, you know, uh, Del- Delaney's place and, um, uh, hometown barbecue and mighty Quinns, and I feel like that's sort of a similar a similar pathway that ramen took. Like you know, like a few years ago we had like Ipudo and obviously Momofuku, mm-hmm. and then the old scar places like Sapporo and places like that. And then you know, ramen became part of our our it's lives. Yeah. And then now I feel like we're sort of booming again with like new exciting stuff, including Ivan Ramen. Ivan Ramen Slip Shop, which is very exciting. We I ate there um, the other evening, and it was quite good. I've only been to the one on the west side, which was amazing. I went twice in mm-hmm. one week because it was just like, but also yeah. there's nothing to eat over there except for that uh, that food court, which is uh, like oh, the plaza, which is an unbelievable solution to nothing. It's like it went from like absolute barren wasteland of like shitty Greek diners to yeah. incredible food that's open till midnight. I mean, I think we can just say that barbecue and ramen the, we don't have to put like a caveat around them anymore in New York. There's just a good amount of restaurants that serve on yeah. the level quality. You don't say urban barbecue anymore. It's just you can go out and just get barbecue and just not be a you know a surprise of or a thing. It's yeah. Although I'll, I'll be interested to see how it evolves even from here. I mean, New York City doesn't have its own distinctive style of uh, barbecue or its own distinctive style of ramen. Um, right. You know, do you think that will actually happen? I don't know. Would I you mean, like to eat New York style? If I was like, oh, we're serving New York style ramen. Well, I mean, I guess the closest thing to New York style ramen would be the ramen at Desara, which is sort of like with Jewy. Jewy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like John Brown Smokehouse out in LIC. Yeah. They do like foie gras and pastrami and oh, things God. like that. New York sucks if that's what we're taking. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, why would you, like, would you really want to be like, oh, yeah, this is like the New York. If Like, I would just kind of run away. I'd be like, I just want something that's a little bit more authentic. Sure. Although I think authenticity in general is sort of a moving target, but I hear you. But you know what I'm saying? Like, at least someone that went and studied and at least knows what they're riffing off of as opposed to just like... But you can, um, hang, you can hang your hat on more than other subject, authentic ramen, authentic barbecue. I think we really... I think we should talk about this idea of authenticity. I think, okay. it's a, I think that's a bit... I think that's a, it's a bit of a... I'm tripping on that a little bit. I mean, ramen comes from China, you know? Right. I mean, that's... It's, it, 
from everything I've read, it sort of came into the Japanese culinary lexicon through the Chinatown in um, Yokohama. But let's let's, so, get, let's get off ramen because I feel like we've talked ramen to death. But let's just talk about let's authenticity. stop talking about that in general. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but let's talk about authenticity. And, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I got off on Bedford the other day and I saw an authentic Williamsburg food tour. Well, okay, so this is my point. The reason I bring up, the reason I brought up the ramen yeah. thing with China is because everything is constantly evolving, right? right. And so, like, we, we've talked in years past about the idea of fusion as this, like, problematic, right. this, like, problem in the vernacular, right? That it's, like, this term that makes everybody's eyes roll, and yet it's very much something that's happening in the highest-end restaurant right now. But I think that, um, I think that... In the same way, you know, the idea of, of anything being this sort of staid thing that's done developing, and this is what it looks like when it's authentic, and this is what it looks like when it's inauthentic, is sort of problematic because it's a it's it's constantly moving, it's constantly evolving. You know, like there was never, you know, there wasn't pork in Mexico until the Spanish came. You know, so it's right. a it's a, um, it's a it's a complicated idea. Yeah, but, but I mean, I mean, could authentic then be just more loosely be like it, you can trace back its roots and you can point to its evolution. I don't know, I think people are looking for something, and again, this is a movie toy, but they want something real. Like, they want to feel... What is that, though? I, the things that excite me with a restaurant are places that have a story. And right, a but background. don't you think that comes so much from the chef? I mean, what, no, you're, what, like, what you're talking about, realness and authenticity, I feel like so often can just be sort of sprung from the earnestness of the people that are behind the scenes making it sing. You know, it's not... It's not that it's necessarily this like encyclopedic, um, you know, rendering of a, of a specific cuisine. It's it has heart. I mean, uh, I won't name names, but I know that there is one barbecue chef who opened up a barbecue restaurant because they thought it would be a good business. Shots fired. And when asked about the story, <laughs> there was no story other than well, I looked at the landscape and I thought it'd be a good business. Right. How's the barbecue? Great barbecue. Fantastic barbecue. Whoa. I enjoyed it less. Snacky Teen's blind item. I enjoyed it less because I could. there was no story. You enjoyed it? I know. What if I had just brought it home and not told you it was from you? Like, it was great barbecue. I, and I, then I told I, you, like, oh, no. I'm just saying, it just, I'm not saying it wasn't great barbecue. I'm not saying, and I've had it again since then. I think just overall, i just been like, I just wish there was some something authentic or something real behind it. Other than just being like, you mastered right. the technique and you put out a product and it just feels like, Every other commodity business. There's no heart. There's no soul to it. Right. And it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> well, I mean, it hurts. It stings. Stings my, to the same. My, my heart hurts, but yeah. I don't know if that's that's relatable. I don't know. I, I would I would disagree on on that point of like if it's good food, it's good food. You're not asking like the people the food cart like what's their story. You're just trying to get like a good meal. But I think from the authenticity standpoint is like you want. I don't know. I mean, isn't like the idea of like far authentic like. I, I'm not going to go to Japan anytime soon. So if I want to like try to experience something like that, and I know that there's an argument that that like that that you can't have the food unless you're there, but you're trying to create something or have some type of taste, or at the very least be transported by the mail and be like, oh, like this is like I want to experience what this culture is like. Like we just went to uh, eat Ethiopian food like a couple weeks ago, and it was great. That stuff doesn't work well for Mama. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll pose. I'll pose away. It was great while we were eating it. Twenty four hours later, it's a different story. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. it was this company that this 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 couple had been cooking in this place for three decades. 
Um, they were from uh, Ethiopia. They had come to, where I was in Portland, they had come to Portland. They had opened up this place with them for three years, and it was great. And it was like the flavors were super weird, and it was really spicy. Right, which is, that's amazing. And, and anything that can be transporting is special and important. But, and, you know, I guess but, but I guess to me, like, the reason I bring it up, which is, you know, I'm not being contrary, I, I agree, you know, like, I too, in my heart of hearts, like, I want to, you know, be taken to another place or, you know, um, you know, have a deliverance in the food that I'm eating. But I do think that the problem comes in when we have this idea that um, if it's not that things that are ethnic are measured in their goodness by whether they're authentic and whether, you know, and, and we as outsiders decide what that I mean, stick looks yeah. like. I mean, I agree. I agree with what I, I agree with what you're saying on that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like when I say, like, I want to go. I mean, it's weird, though, but sometimes I'll go eat Thai food, and I, like, do not care if it's, like, authentic Thai food. It's just whatever, yeah. the local Thai food place. But when you're going, I guess for me, and I, and I know we just got off ramen, but to go back to ramen, <laughs> when, like, when you're eating it, because the way that, the way that it is introduced and has been kind of sold, at least through the media and the press, whatever, it's like, this is something that you had not, this is, these are flavors that you've not been able to have before and now people are bringing them to you mm-hmm. and you're like wow there's a whole new right. yeah. what's that place in Austin that's well, on 50th street uh, oh ramen tatsuya that is like oh yeah tatsuya that is, yeah. That is like amazing I've never I had never tasted anything like that before well, I ate I, that I would and say I would actually I, I was gonna in, in, in the transporting restaurant thing, I actually was thinking about the last time that I saw you and it was outside of bunker, mm-hmm. oh yeah, in yeah. Ridgewood, which yeah. is totally one of those places in New York, just completely, completely transporting. And I, I can't, I can't comment on whether or not it's authentic. I haven't been to yeah. Thailand. I haven't eaten that food. Yeah. You know, like my my yardstick is like pok pok. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to talk about authentic Thai, I think he strives for authenticity. Yeah, there's, he's I mean, an anthropologist. There's yeah, yeah. Place I mean, in I mean, he, uh, Cathedral City outside of Palm Springs, in a shopping mall called India Oven. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I swear is the best Indian food I've ever had and I have brought people there who have been to India who like do not believe me that some place in some like Cathedral City and they're like this is like the best Indian Whoa, food I've it's, ever it's the ever idea had. Of- and it's like it's like they're like the, and so, we took someone's mom she's like this takes me back to when I traveled yeah. there and you're like okay so like maybe maybe it's less authentic Maybe it doesn't need to be authentic for it to be successful and good. Sure. But maybe what the the new word should be like like definitive or transportive or you know educational wise. And then if it's if it's not that, then it could be totally great. Just don't make that claim as like. I like that idea of, of education and yeah, food. I, I yeah. like that. I think that's. And it's think the that's idea smart. that you can travel around the world for fifty dollars or. Seven dollars in one bite of food. If you're paying fifty dollars for ramen, like you're not doing it no, right. So where no, I think that he means like you know <laughs> you, you take the train up to Queens and you go yeah, and you, eat, yeah. you, get, you take the seven all the way to the end and you go around. Like I, I really do think that there is something to be said. Like um, another place, and I know because I've been on the way out west, but like Jitlada okay. out there, which is it's an eight hundred page menu. The first four hundred are just like whatever your traditional Thai. And the other 400... It's not 800. Is it an 800-page no, menu? It is 800. It's not 800 pages. No, 800 menu items. What oh. did I say? Pages. Said pages. pages. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> Who would make an 800 pages? It's like the book of the dead. <laughs> yeah. But it's 800 <laughs> menu items. And it's just... And the second, the second half is totally traditional Southwestern Thai food. Like things like bone-in eel and spicy sauce. That you're just like, I've never heard of these things. I've never heard like had this food. 
and by eating it, like I might even I might not even like it, but you're just learning about this culture in some strip mall in Hollywood, <laughs> and that's great. And, yeah. and like authentic or not, that's like what people eat, and you can try it or you can stick to your like pad CU or whatever. Yeah, you know. Whatever. Although, like, God bless it. Like, I love that stuff too. Like, I'm not. I don't yeah. look my nose down. That, that also stuff. does like, not work well for Papa after 24 hours. It's so spicy. All right. Enough. Um, I would love it if we could shift gears away from your butthole and yeah. on to some other. So one of the other uh, culinary cultures that you said last year that was coming to the city was yeah. France and French cuisine. Yeah. You said it was coming. Did it? Lafayette, things like oh, that. that's right. Lafayette. Yeah. Um, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't think it I, – I feel like if anything, you know, obviously the Nordic culture is still the prevail, prevailing new – you know, I'm going to say, I, I feel like I just, I like that I say things and then you just hold me accountable for them a year later. I mean, like, you're the only people in my life who, like, would dare to hold me accountable for the obscene things that I say all the time. But I do think that, I, you know, this is what I think. I think that more than any one particular cuisine, I think what I'm seeing more than anything is this sort of highly globalized um, kind of international pantry that the best chefs are really pulling from. So, like, if I was to say to you, like, what kind of restaurant is a Stella? Like, what kind of food does it serve? I, I couldn't. Like, you couldn't, it, you couldn't say. I mean, it's sort of, he's, I think, Venezuelan, so, Ignacio Mata, so he, it's sort of, you know, there's a little bit of that, there's a little bit of Mediterranean, but it's like, it's global, for sure. Yeah, it's a wine bar. I mean, and I think, and I think more than anything, I mean, I think the Nordic influence we're seeing a lot in presentation. A lot in presentation. Um, and I think, you know, I, I do think that, you know, France had sort of a moment last year. Um, and I think that, but I think that more than anything, I think we're sort of starting to break down the boundaries and say, like, if this is, if, you know, if Thai chilies are going to make this thing sing, then Thai chilies should be in this dish, you but know? That was, like, three years ago, I think, uh, when we had Bomb and White on. They had said, like, like every, like, global on a plate. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of, like, a very, you know, simple prediction on their end. It was like, what, it's kind of like, once, <laughs> once you go global, I mean, once you kind of know those things and once everything is an option, like, why would you, I mean... Do you think that maybe then, like, three years from now or five years from now, they're, like, we're, you'll see, like, a stark deterrent, like, we're only cooking traditional, like, Norwegian cuisine, and we will have no sure. influence I mean, from anywhere else. There's and, always like, that pendulum, right? Yeah. I mean, things swing in one direction, then they violently, and then they swing violently in the other one. You know, that's sort of how things go. I mean, we see that all the time. I mean, obviously, there are other factors that affect this, but, you know, fine dining versus, you know, highly casual, mm -hmm. you know, environments. Of course, you know, things like economy and, um, like, political climate affect those things. But, you know, as things sort of, you know, go extremely, extremely casual, suddenly there's like this backlash and you want the fine dining again. And like it just things go in cycles like that. So I I, I could I, I think, yeah, I think maybe in a few years we'll start to see people, you know, kind of bearing down um, in the way that Andy Ricker does a pock pock in sort yeah. of an anthropological way and, and returning to um, a more, you know, specific way of cooking, although you know, it's hard to say that those things are hard and fast because at that time, when things start to sort of turn back in that direction, the entire foodscape will have changed dramatically forever and for always, you know? So it'll be a different world that we're cooking in and eating in. Where do you think uh, the New York dining scene is sitting right now between fine dining and, you know, I definitely, I definitely, well, comfort, mm, I definitely think that we're still on the sort of casual end of things for sure, although I think that that has sort of reinvented itself. Yeah. Um, I think, 
you know, when, when you look at like a sort of, you know, a hot restaurant, it's still, you know, the aesthetic is still very much no tablecloth, mm-hmm. um, very sort of personal, idiosyncratic service. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I, I, no, I just, uh, yeah, I think service, okay. I wish, I wish service could always be fine dining or at least some level of uh, better than comfort service I don't know the best service that I have ever had was at Blue Hill at Stone Barns actually this past year I had I I would say I had I think it was the I think it was the best meal of my life I I, It's, I it's a stunning meal I mean, I and I will. Say, I spent the first half of the day at a strip club, and the second half of the day at Blue Hill Stone. Want to shout out the strip club? You want to shout it out? I don't remember what it was called, <laughs> Damien. No, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but uh, but no, it was a really. It was a very. It was. A, it was did a, you, did a, you uh, hop on like the Pumps Stone Barns bus <laughs> that they have? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a it's a direct shuttle. No, it was a, it was like a, it was my it was like my hooker high and low day. Um, but it was really like a magnificent meal and, and beyond the food, which was, um, in your words, Greg, educational. You know, like they put the raw ingredient on the table yeah. while you're eating this highly refined version of it. Yeah. So you can really get a sense of like where it comes from and what it looks like. And it's, you know, some people may have never seen like a rutabaga before. You know, it's, it's educational uh, in its raw form. Uh, but the service was so phenomenal and it was really it was like so personal and it was it was formal in the sense that it was really high end service course. but you know our servers interacted with us each in their own unique way so you know one person might have been sort of goofy and then another one would be really nerd out and then another one would be really formal so i just love that i think that you know what fine dining service looks like needs needs to sort of look like these are real people who are not necessarily just going by a rule book bringing their own identities to it and thereby sort of enriching it and making it all the more special. I had the same experience at Bettany this year. Chef came out, presented the raw ingredients. It was a great time. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on. All right. We'll do, we'll, do, we'll do a few more trends from last year. Um, let's see. Do you still hate brunch? I still hate brunch. You know what? I'm still with hate you. Brunch. I hate I, I, I hate brunch. I hate it. And I my you know, my girlfriend has moved back and she loves brunch and we're about to hit a very, very interesting crossroads. Wow. So what happens? How do you I don't know. I mean I hate brunch for so many reasons now. For all the reasons I used to love it, yeah. I now hate it. Well, you're you're growing up, darling. Yeah, I know. It's you're the worst. Up. I actually go- I cannot remember the last time I did brunch. I have I, I won't name names, but I have a dear friend who works for for a chef. This and, entire show is she, like all I white know, label. It's like yeah, we won't say anything about anyone, but fuck everything. <laughs> is that that's the name of my spinoff show? Yeah. <laughs> fuck <laughs> everything. everything with Jordan and Rock. But, uh, is that your hooker high and low show? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, no, um, my another another dear friend of mine says that my memoir needs to be called Judgment Day, and that it's going to have a hologram on the cover with my thumb like waving like gladiator style up and down, um, which is actually a great idea. That's so, a really great idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I mean, we don't even need to turn over it. it. I mean, it's just so it's just such a tired yeah. thing. But yeah, but I have a, a dear friend who who works for a chef who was trying to get me in um, to to check out the new brunch, you know. Uh, offerings at a well-known restaurant and I just kept politely putting her off like oh I'm busy that day oh yeah. I and then finally I just had to be like here's the article that I wrote about the complete guide to hating brunch and never ask me again never ever <laughs> ever ask me again uh, <laughs> um, did health in restaurants happen 
We talked about uh, ancient, ancient grains, grains and things like that. I didn't see it. I saw a lot. I saw a lot of fat. Um. What about Narcissa, though? All right. Let's talk about Narcissa. Well, I'm saying for health and restaurants. I mean, you know, th- this is John Fraser is a chef who's really been a vegetable forward chef for many years. Well, we could talk about and, vegetables. And he and Narcisse, have you eaten there? Not yet. Well, I think it's fantastic. I really loved my meal there. I've been recommending it to everybody. And he treats vegetables very interesting. He does like a, a rotisserie bead, and he does um, he does like a carrot Wellington and carrot tempura Ooh. fries, which. Granted, not particularly healthy, but like, but you know, he's bringing. It's a, it's a very rich palate to play with vegetables. You know, it's a shame that that we're just sort of bludgeoning, bludgeoning everyone with like fat, fat and meat and potatoes. I think uh, Paulie Brent's doing like a fifty dollar cauliflower head. At is the he? Elm. Yeah. Does he serve that with wheels of cheese? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I know that he's doing like giant. I mean, I love a giant a giant vegetable large platter. It's great. Uh, the LA chapter does a great raw vegetable. Oh, well, actually, wasn't there a place? Isn't there a place in Philadelphia named Veg? Isn't there a? You guys are Philly boys. Yeah. Isn't there? So that's a. I don't know. When I go down to Philly, I eat, like cheese. I mean, I eat terrible. I know you're just dis- you're a disgusting man. I'm sorry. But, w- didn't I mean, you have a recent road trip to Philly where you ate twice on the way to Zahara? First of all, it's called Zahav. Um. Sorry. Oh, okay, so now you've corrected him to answer the question. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I was too busy getting my, my quip out. Um, I think you stopped for a roast beef sandwich and a, and a roast pork sandwich. I st- well, if you want to out me, what I actually did was first I stopped for a root beer. Okay. Okay. Then I stopped Where'd for... Where'd you get the root beer from? Um, like a little Weber's. Weber's. Did you know that soda's killing our nation slowly? Well, I was so excited because we saw it on the side of the road and it was like so cute and it was like a little drive up yeah. where you put, you put the thing down and they come up to your table and they put the tray on your window and I was like, oh, it's so great, it's so cute. I you just like Instagram pulled photos. a handkerchief off and like tied it on Com- immediately. Completely, like I got, like, yeah. they, they, like everyone there was basically like. The, they don't think it's cute. They're like, our Cisco delivery is coming in. And I'm like, oh, my God, everyone look forward. I have to Insta this, like, right now. So we, we ordered their, they have, like, their own homebrewed root beer, which I was, like, super psyched about. I thought it was going to be, like, really, like, sassafrasy. And actually, it was just completely disgusting. Like, basically, huh. just, like, high fructose corn syrup, like, in a glass. Um, They're like, fuck you, here's your root beer. Yeah, yeah. They were like, have a nice day at Jordana Rothman. Um <laughs> So that sucked, but it was cute. And then, yeah, that's right, thumbs down. And then, uh, and then we went to John's Roast Pork, which it was so unbelievably good. It's so good. And it's like nestled between strip clubs. And I so, went in and I was so like... So you felt right at home. Did you bring the roast pork into the strip club? Like, well, actually, if Blue you, Hill, let me do if this, you so. knew any, if you know anything about me, you know that I read an etiquette column before going to the strip club to see how the times have changed since last time I was. I wanted to make sure that my tipping strategy was up to what's, up to snuff. What's what's considered a good tip? It's still singles. Actually, oh, okay. things have not changed. Yeah, no, yeah. It's 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 a sing it's a single if it, song. If it ain't broke, <laughs> yeah, don't fix. right. <laughs> Well, so, um, but so John's Roast Pork, I was in there and I was eating this. Oh my God. It was so, oh my God. It was so good. It was so insanely good. It was like completely a testament to like do one thing do it well. and do it well. And I was like, I'm eating, am I eating like world-class porchetta or am I eating a disgusting sandwich in like the warm both. pink glow of a neon both. vagina? Dancers, you know, like both. it's not, yeah, both. But I was in there and I was like, this needs to be an American classic for the beards. Yeah. And... I was so psyched. I couldn't wait. I was going to like bring it to the to the committee and like tell them about it, this family. And then I looked on the wall and it was already an American classic. So, yeah. 
I'm does, happy to see that. Out of curiosity, how does how can, does can I we just say something? Designated? Roast pork sandwich is the sleeper hit of Philadelphia. Everyone goes for cheesesteaks. 100% agree. 100% agree. I, like, so like good. Always like so Tony. Oh. Whoa. 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 Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Whoa. T- Tony Luke's uh, <laughs> Dude, Tony Luke's down down the Oh, and then I also ate fried chicken Oh, I federal donuts? Yeah, and I ate some donuts, too So and like, I cried in a corner And then I met my friends So together. your five-hour trip to Philadelphia was very nice <laughs> Yeah, yeah Oh, my God I mean, that's But for the lot. James Bird, like the heritage one, like I mean, how do those places How do they get them? I mean, it's just Well, it's a different process um, It's a different process than the than the restaurant chef awards, meaning that you know they're they get a, it's not people people don't vote on those awards. It's more like uh, by committee, um, but it's uh, but you know people there's regional representatives um, across the country who kind of and then who communicate with judges who basically bring these places um, to the to the committee's attention. Like and the that's ones, how they get on the radar. Like the ones that won this year, like I know the one from in Oregon from McMenville is just like a classic Italian joint mm-hmm. that like everyone. Everyone has been to, yeah. yeah. Which is like that, but it's so great. I mean, that's for me personally. That is my absolute favorite moment of the Same. beer. It's, I, I think that it's so. They do these videos, these like sort of, and, and it's so. It's oh, just man. it's it's so wonderful to see these, and they come out and they're just they're with you know three generations like of their when family Princess Hot Chicken and, won, yeah. And um, it was like three or four generations, and like they're just like uh, who, who was the Texas Steak that won this year? Per- Perini. I think? Oh my god! When yeah. he was giving a speech and his wife was crying. Oh my god! And then he put the metal on her. There was not a dry seat oh, in the house. Oh my god! It was, it was so nice. It was. It was, <laughs> it was so. He takes his hat off and puts the metal, and like, here's the real person. Who yeah, he was out. wearing like a ten gallon hat. And it's like, uh, I yeah, no, it was very teary. But I feel like the it's not really politics behind this one. Just like, like, thank you for making our state no great. Well, well, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's less like less jockeying, more like. Well, because those are the places. I mean, those those aren't gonna those are you know salt of the earth American yeah, yeah. places, and those are not necessarily rising into the onto the radar of the hot, you know, up-and-comer chef right. or the whatever. These are places that are, you know, but there's so much a part of the fiber and the backbone of what it means to eat in this country oh, and eat you, well in this country. And, and would you say that they're authentic? Wow. I would say that, no, but, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. I would say uh, they're educational. I mean, well, I mean, that's, how could I even answer that question, Darren? You're just trolling me. I mean, it's like, these are... He's not even waiting a year. He just, he's like, uh, earlier in this episode, you said, and I want to go back. I mean, a lot of these places are, are serving immigrant communities. I mean, Sokolowski's in Cleveland, oh, yeah. you know, is a Polish, it's a Polish restaurant that serves like chow line, like you get a cafeteria tray and you get like pierogies. I was drooling and over ca- all that food. I ate it. I ate, I ate there actually in, um... As in, good as it looks? Uh, like in the fall. Um... You know, yeah, it's it's it is it's, what it col- is. it's culturally important food, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean look, yeah. but also I don't think like I don't think like those war those awards, whether or not they get them, it's nice. But I don't think it's not like going to stop them from doing with it. Like we went, when, sure. I went to, when I went to Arnold's, it's yeah. meat and three. Well, you I'll know? tell you this. I, I, you know, do you guys know Wayne Mueller, Louis Mueller Barbecue yeah, in, in Taylor, Texas? Amazing place. And I, I had the, the great um, pleasure of spending a day there in October and meeting Wayne and, you know, hearing his family history. And um, on the wall, I saw the American Classic, which they won a few years back when his father was still alive. And also on the wall, I saw a signed picture of Guy Fieri at doing diners, drive-ins, and dives at the restaurant. And I was like, wow, these two things next to each other, you know, this is, um, this is, uh, you know, the, the depressing state of, uh, 
of food, I guess. Like, and I said, which one brings you more business? And he was like, one hundred percent Guy Fieri. Like, it's oh, just yeah. you know the the, Ameri- the James Beard Award. It's like among the industry, so respected, so important. But like, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Say what you will about you know that douchebag. But like, he's he he's saved. I'm sure many you know American champion. food institutions. He's a champion of those places. Yeah, he's I. A you know what though, but, I I'm gonna go controversial here. Hated his restaurant, totally fine with Guy Fieri for what he does for like those restaurants. Like when you, like from Darren, from your work on um, all the stuff you do with Food Network, when you would talk about um, oh, what it would do for restaurants, it's literally the next you, yeah. and you're just and yeah. like yes, we're in New York and yes, like we get to do things and we live as well, but like we're talking like places that then people will travel two three hours totally. to go to go eat at because Guy Fieri says like you can't like whatever his gel tip backward sunglass wearing whatever. But I I have to agree with you. It's like he's probably doing more for those people than most. That's what, yeah. Than most and, anybody. And listen, oh, by if, the way, if, that's if, not gel. Schmaltz. <laughs> <laughs> if these were, if if Guy Fieri was not the host of Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives, and like we never called it Triple D, and like we never knew that a man Who like calls Guy Fieri, Triple D, everyone, everyone, literally everyone. <laughs> what is he new? I guess. I mean, Greg, welcome to your so, first show. Hi, <laughs> very nice to be here. So, if, but if it wasn't, and if that show, let's just imagine a world in which Triple D was not called Triple D, and it was not on the Food Network, but instead it was on, you know, PBS, PBS exactly, right. or something, and it like was like America's classic like restaurants. It would be like it would be this celebrate. It would be it would be Mind of a Chef. Yeah, right. It would be it would be this like celebrated because it's 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 honoring That's, the institutions and it's right. you know. It's like all the authentic restaurants across America. Ugh, Darren. American foodways. But let's talk I actually I actually wanted to say that I think we were talking about the beards earlier and I do think Let's talk about the beards. Let, let's get, let, let's, get into let's, it. let's let's get into can, it. Can we first say Chris Schoenberg, first we feast. Yeah. Last year when we had when we talked, we had I think he had just started. Yeah. Well and yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think when I walked into the after party for the media ones and I saw the award around his neck. It, it took me a sec. I was like, I was like, Amazing. oh, he's wearing a James Beard award, and I was like, that must mean he won. What did he borrow it? <laughs> yeah, can I see this for a second? Instagram. Hey, hey, Francis, let me get one of those. So I, I mean, Chris and I worked together for years, and he is not only a dear dear friend, but also um, a wonderful and talented writer and journalist and editor, and someone I could not be prouder to have um, shared many bylines with over the years, and he. When he got not when he got the nom for for the award, we went to a dive bar in my neighborhood and drank whiskey and ate nachos for like eight hours. For the uninitiated, and, what did he get nominated for? Right, he was uh, for best group food blog, um, and so that's the and that's a journalism award, obviously. And when he was, I mean, even just that was a was a huge coup. And then, uh, you know, I was out. I did not go to the broadcast awards, and I was um, having dinner with some friends, and I was following the the Twitter stream, and it came up, and I. I, I couldn't like I yeah I mean he he beat Eater you know it's a it's a that's amazing I mean and it was amazing and and I stood up and there was a shelf directly above my head which I <laughs> which I had noted as I sat down I was like now Jordana don't <laughs> don't go smashing your head on that shelf and I stood up and like like <laughs> like it's like a cartoon like I saw stars in front of my face I was like <laughs> like you know like really 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 just James Beard really medals, just like dancing around yeah your head. but it was like still too much and I was so like disoriented but I like ran out anyway and Daniel's like yelling after me to like make sure I don't have like some like fatal contusion like Liam Neeson's wife style you know wow because um, it was yeah too soon too soon. Yeah. Um, 
So I went outside and I just had this unbelievable emotional reaction. I was on the phone with Chris and we were like crying and screaming. And I'm just like, it's just so wonderful because I love there's it's merit merit got you know awarded and that it, it's so not that the other candidates didn't weren't meritorious but you know it was it was so wonderful and what he's done is really in, in he's brought this new you know really rigorous level of reporting and integrity to that space and he deserves it he absolutely deserves it just, and, and, and you know a year first year where do you go from there Oh, you get more resources, you get investors, and you just build. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very proud of him. I'm very uh, proud of him. And we, I, I think, and I, I, I said, I mean, it was like I went to the after party at Mapesh just to see him, and it was like the top three hug of my life. Like the hug that we shared was like a hug for the ages. The ages, yeah. Shout out to Chris. Check out the site if you haven't. Firstbefeast.com. Yeah, uh, big year for women. Yeah, I, I it was there was a ton of diversity. Ton yeah. of diversity. Shout out April Bloomfield. Shout out Naomi Pomeroy. For sure, and 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 I think just in general, I mean, I I think the awards felt very personal to me this year. Um, yeah. I felt that like you know a lot of those acceptance speeches were you know they're obviously everyone knee jerk thanks their team, but in some cases they had their team up there with them. Yeah. you know they were behind them in this really wonderful way and. Um, to the point earlier that we were talking about the American classics being like the tear jerky moment when he took the medal off. Of oh his. my god! But but there was another amazing moment um, which fully had me bawling, which was the humanitarian of the year. Oh yeah, uh, award. And of course, his name is completely blanking on me. But but this guy who does this amazing work in Nepal, who has this insane backstory, he was like a crackhead, and he li- he was literally a crackhead, and he was like he. Do you OD on crack? Is that a... Yes. You OD on crack? Okay. So <laughs> he's like hiding in a closet, smoking crack, and then was like extracted by like a SWAT team. And like, I mean, it's like, it's a very dark place that this guy comes from. And he turned it into this, he, I think he built like cooking schools in Nepal and he's bought ch- children out of uh, sex slavery. And it, it's like completely mind blowing. I see next to John T. Edge. And I like turned to him with my mouth, my jaw unhinged, and I was like, "Is this for for real happening? Like, is this a real guy? It's amazing. Food can be an incredible vehicle for social change. It's it's just uh, it's a basic need. You just <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up. <laughs> no, thumbs but I mean that's I mean that that and that story where it's like it does. It's like educational. It's the hard hours. It is an equalizer. Like if you put in the time and you like can play the game well and cook well and have the talent. You can rise to those things and actually make make all the differences, which is great. Can we shout out Garrett Oliver too? We should shout out Garrett Oliver. Eleven yeah. eleven years. Um, I'm not not really years, sure exactly nominated. how long he was on it, but I, I'm not really sure. Like but he was not nominated eleven times though. I mean, that would be what that would imply. That would, yes. I mean. Well, no, I well I would have taken that it was the first nomination. I think he got 11. nominated every year. And just he just didn't. Do, I mean, I saw I saw his him dancing at the uh, <laughs> Eleven Madison Park party. I mean, yeah. he was. Well deserved, well deserved. Sure, great guy, amazing. Encyclop- he's an encyclopedia beer in his brain. I mean, again, it's you know, the fact that he's a great guy is fantastic for those who know him. But but it's really about you know what his contribution was and has been, and and, the, and, to be. and right, and and that he has left this indelible thumbprint on the on American uh, brew history, and that's amazing. And and because of him, you know. So many other um, things have been able to happen, and and there's such, such a heightened awareness, and I think that's really important. So, yeah, let's go back to women. Okay, let's get in. Yeah, let's, let's get into women. Let's get into women. You want to kick it off? 
women. I love well, personally. I love women. That's my. That's, that's my not own. what I heard. Hey, oh. I, um, I also love women. I love women. Yeah. I am a woman, also. I, so obviously, <laughs> women in food this year has been uh, a big topic, mostly because of the Time article, mostly because of the Cherry Bomb Jubilee. Um, symposium Cherry Bomb Shout out They just got their own show Yeah That's on, great On Heritage Radio And that's Julia Tertian She's I actually met her Radio Cherry Bomb Check it out Radio Cherry Bomb I met I am a big fan of Julia's yeah. And I I met her at the Cherry Bomb Jubilee Which is As you know A big festival um, Or a big conference um, In support of, of women in food And I, I saw her And she's very recognizable She's She's got a, a really distinctive look And I saw her And I was like Oh my god That's her And I went up to her all nervous to introduce myself and tell her how much I, I love the, the work that she's produced and she was like oh, are you Jordana and your boyfriend's Daniel Krieger I follow him on Instagram <laughs> so excited it was amazing and she goes how was that root beer in Philly <laughs> yeah 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 no no Fine. Thanks, but uh, but anyway, but no, I mean, there it was a very there was definitely um, women showed really really strongly at the at the beards on on Monday night and um, you know miles to go before we rest, but I think that it's, 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 a, a, it's a good. I know this this question is going to be dumb before I ask it, but I will ask it anyway. Do you feel that way about all your questions? Um, no, <laughs> just just when I'm on the show with you. <laughs> um, do you think there'll ever be a point where sexism and racism and things like that? will be gone from the conversation of cooking and chefs and food. Um, I, <laughs> I think that I I, I... I mean, I can say what I would hope that what would yeah. happen is that, you know, in time, um, it's not going to be the, you know, the best female chef or the best African-American chef or, you know... Um, that we won't need those those qualifiers, and these are just that this these are just people are at the top yeah. of the industry, irrespective of their race or their gender or their sexual or orientation what type of food or cooking or anything along those lines. Um, I would hope that you know we we would get to that point. Um, you know, I would like to think that we're starting to. I mean, I would like to think that just simply blowing open the the dialogue is 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 an important step in that direction. Um, do I know you know? when that's going to be or what that's going to look like, I, I don't know. And I also, you know, I will say I think that um, Cherry Bomb, I mean, Cherry Bomb was wonderful. I, I couldn't have been more impressed with um, what Carrie pulled oh, off. Yeah. Um, and and logistically, it was fantastic. And, and I think everyone had a great time and would agree. I think that as we continue along this road, I, um, my instinct is that I don't think it should, that the conversation about women in food should always just be women talking about women and food. I think that, um, you know, wonderful as Cherry Bomb was, and it was I, I was tweeting for Cherry Bomb that day, and I found all the men that were there, and it was like three dudes. Um, and Greg took, from Eater was there. Greg from Eater, Ken Phil, Phil Baltz. <laughs> Ken Friedman was, uh, uh, was there, actually. He was there. <laughs> um, he was there, and so I took a picture of all the guys that I found, and, um, and you you're know. Like meat market. I, I just, I think that it's sort of like, you know, we don't want to, you don't want to perpetuate the us versus them thing, right? You no, know, it's like there, there's, um, you know, there is this, this coven like, you know, sort of, well, maybe that's not the word, but there's definitely a sisterhood. Um, there's definitely a, <laughs> wow, of all the words. <laughs> there's definitely a sisterhood, you know, that's, that's developing around this, but I think for real progress to happen, it need, there need to be men in the conversation. Men need to be part of the conversation yeah. too, because we all need to sort of equalize. We need to find our footing together and become comfortable but do you think that, grappling I mean, with this. But do you think like for any type of like making a stance move that it needs to kind of blow like a pendulum blow all the way in one side 
and then comes swing swing back where it's like it should be established there should be those things there should be young women who can see that they can sit at the top of the game just as much and then can come back and sit alongside the peers it's not like you know sitting like the token like top two women in the field it's like here's a million different positions that women can hold you can either be the top you can be a sous chef you can be the best maitre d you can do a long time and then the conversation becomes more integrated um i i I see that reasoning yeah i definitely see that (laughs) but no i i mean i agree i think but i i just think that there's um we're we're not there yet you know i I mean i I I think i think we're only just starting to really really have honest conversations about this. I mean, I think this has sort of been, you know, kind of a, a you know, bit of a skeleton in the closet of the so food world what, for for a while. And now, do you think it's weird that there are no female porters, busboys, dishwashers? I've never seen one. I've never met one. And like the that's the entry level to a lot of the culinary world. You start there at the bottom and you work your way up after so many years. Um. Yeah, I don't really. I'm not. Sh- I, I'm not the person to answer that question about okay. the culture of the, of the kitchen in that way. Um, I I tend to think that if you're looking to move up the line, you probably start on like you know garmanger or something. Not yeah. you know. What are some of the issues that I'm? And we don't have to get into them. But what are some of the issues that you think are when this when things start to get dusted up that are like really just the bigger things that need to be attacked and focused on? Well, I mean. You know, one one thing I that comes up for me when we have this conversation. You know, obviously I'm not a chef, but I'm on the other side of the business, and I think that the sort of um, tokenism, to you know, borrow your phrase, and um, yeah, sort of just like extreme gender rolling happens on the journalism side too. I mean, I think that women, you know, when it's going to be a story about, you know, Dave Chang and Aziz Ansari and James Murphy going and getting wasted in Tokyo for three days. It's not going to be a woman that gets that story, that gets that assignment. Um, There's a definite, you know, there is this sort of like Hunter S. Thompson, gonzo, macho thing happening in food writing as well. And um, that's what people are reading and buying and and that's what's winning beards and... and You you should, uh, whenever you write any stories about men, you should now start to insert what they're wearing. Because for every female Whoa, thing, Greg, dude, wait, why do you say that? Because, because most a- because when most stories are written about women, oh, I see. They always saying. like you'll never in a story about men you'll never have yeah. have a comment on appearance besides like hungover or yeah. bedraggled. But for women, they'll always at some point insert what they're wearing. So like the counter thing, it's like you know Aziz showed up wearing like ripped <laughs> jeans and like a nice fitting a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like he just had like a fresh shave. Yeah, but if we could talk about <laughs> another form of media, most of TV shows for cooking are made by women. Hmm. You know, like a lot of like a lot of people who run production companies sit at the top. Women. Did you guys read that story on Grub Street the other day about duties? <laughs> no, like poopy. No, it was about dude foodies. Duties, 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 and they called them duties. Who about, calls them duties? Who, who? It was the headline. The headline and, was no, but who? And, and what? And what is a uh, well? Okay. Oh, wait. so okay. Did you ever hear that phrase before you read that article? No, no. I like, had, it was like, coined. It's New York Magazine. They coined. Is it you know, like bronies? No. Are you are you not following the basic portmanteau? It's a dude foodie. It's a no. Dude. I got it. And bronies and, are guys who like Little Pony. Right. So I mean, in that way, they have it in common because it's like so dudes what is, and uh, it's a portmanteau. What is a, a duty? Well, like, I guess I would say that, like, you're a duty, Darren, and, and Greg, you're a duty. It's like, it's not, a... Not cool. 
Yeah, no, keep going. No, 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 keep going. Yeah, keep going. The mic is it's yours, Jordan. So it's a, it's a guy by New York Magazine's definition. It's a guy who loves food and who is, but is really into like project cooking. Um, so it's not like they just like they they like make a meal, but like they're gonna they own the sous vide, they hack their own sous vide machine, or they're gonna do you know the, dig the pit in the backyard and do the roast pig, or you know they're gonna make their own pasta, you know that kind of thing. It's like a, it's project cooking, and so um, as opposed to what other type of cooking, like throwing together something to eat on a Tuesday. Got it. Kind of cooking. Okay. Um, I'm struggling with this. I've never been really bummed about something that we've talked about, but the duty thing is... Is this like a... Is this, yeah, double... Double <laughs> down. But is, is this like, is this like a tongue-in-cheek point in case? Like, it's a tongue... Of course. Yeah, of course. It's, like, a, it's a joke, obviously. But um, I do think that there is there is that kind of guy. I mean, I my friend Damian Higgins, um, who's been on your show before, is is definitely that kind of guy. Shout, <laughs> out, to, shout <laughs> out to Damian. Shout out to him wherever he is in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but... It, um, but okay. uh, but yeah, I definitely think that there is there there is that that kind of man who gets sort of so fixated on the kind of mechanics of cooking and kind of approaches it in the way that like a gearhead you know approaches. Oh, I food. see. But, but um, so so that's cool. Um, but you know that I bring this up in and this would you conversation. Call women that foodies. Well, I bring this up because the the story was definitely controversial because there was you know Adam Rappaport was quoted in there. Um, you know, is saying it's not like when women cook and they're nurturing, um, or you know, we're, we 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 fall along gender lines. You know, like she's in the corner making the salad, and I'm you know, uh, you know, cutting the meat against the grain. Whatever he's also it is. chewing on the his shoe as well, right? At this point, he is, yeah. yeah. But um, but you know, so I, I bring it up because it's you know, it's another it's a, sort of another chance for us to be like, well, is this how we is this how we think about? The women who are doing our cooking, like they're, I mean, I'll, I'll they're it, just nurturers. And I, that's, I put it this way, and maybe it's because of my relationship with you, and yeah, obviously my girlfriend. Like I see no lot. Like I, I never think about chefs and like with sexism or things like that. I mean, I would think you would be ignoring the the world around you, but I mean. <laughs> I mean, I'm just serious. I, I mean, I, I mean, I just. <laughs> I mean, it just. Listen, it's, because what you just said, I know what you're saying. Because what you just said is like people who say like they're colorblind. You know, like it's like we don't have to pretend that we're all exactly the same. No. Yeah. But to, to there's texture is allowed. Yeah. And differences are allowed. It's just that you know the differences shouldn't be the thing that's keeping you. You know, that, that's keeping us from from. I mean, to the top. Like we had a we had a mother who I mean, dad did not do cooking, and mom like chopped up the steaks like like mm-hmm. you know cut down the chicken like right now she's gr- making hamburgers and like on the grill and like she like has dad clean the grill so yeah. and like move it like and it's very much like her domain and she is depth with like from the salads to the meats to whatever to the, the pies and everything and, like that's one way to say it, like but I would never ever have described not that I don't think my, mo- my mom is wonderful but I would never have described her cooking as nurturing like I would have never like what? She, right. So she what? She smacked you no, upside the face. No, no, no. She oh, just no. She just she cooked great, great uh, meals. Same thing a, with our same with our grandmother too. There was a lot of love yeah. and nurturing in those meals. Greg, it is Mother's Day. No, but Mother's Day. for God's no, sake. No, but I'm saying from what you just said in the article, where it's like women <laughs> yeah. describe as nurturing. Like she just was a great cook, took care of the family, and then Dad sometimes made like. Liver and beans. Yeah. Well, come on! I mean, like you, you can. But what, I mean, that, like but my my, my father. Not. My father didn't cook that much either. My my mother did most of the cooking. But you know, I, I think it's. I think the trouble is, 
to say women cook as nurturers and men cook, you know, as gearheads Providers. or whatever. But it's or whatever it is. Hunter gatherers. Right. But it's like you can be a nurturer and, and be a man and you can be, you know, a meathead and be a woman. It doesn't yeah. it's it's it it shouldn't it should not fall on those gender lines in that way. And whether or not it just because it occasionally does in some cases doesn't mean that that's the exception that proves the rule. I mean it's just we need to get away from that knee jerk, you know, soft versus hard garbage. We're better than that. So who would be the dream so like the the Chang Aziz Murphy trip to Tokyo? What would be like the dream the women? No. Well okay, well two questions. The dream women, because it's gotta go the pendulum's gotta go the other way. The dream women. The okay. dream women and what country and then who would be Ooh. the middle, which would be the men and the women and the country. All right, so you need a comedian, a musician, and a chef, and then a journalist. You're the journalist. We'll well, right, I'm the journalist, uh, obviously. obviously. And if it couldn't be me... No, it's just me. It's just yeah, me. Yeah. It's just me. Um, so, the, but, so the three women. Okay. And it doesn't have to fall so, on uh, those... Okay, so a comedian, a, a chef, and a musician. I would, I would say maybe either Amy Schumer. I was just going to say Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Right, so Amy Schumer Amy, or Sarah Silverman. Uh, actually, Sarah yeah. Silverman. Uh, or um, uh, Amy Sedaris, because she eats. Oh my god, and she'd she be so good. She would she's be amazing. the cupcake bar. Right. Yeah, so yeah, but I, Amy, Amy's she's a little yeah older. Oh, <laughs> oh, ages oh, oh, my god! Oh my god! <laughs> The uh, whole place is lit on fire. Uh, yeah, I'm. That was not. I, I would love to go to f- Tokyo with you, Amy. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, all right. So, all right. So you know, she's she's one of the twenty that listens. Right. Yeah. So let's go with Amy Schumer. Yeah. We both no. thought of her first, and, and she's kind of like on my radar right she's now. She's on TV. Her show's funny. Yeah. She she uh, just did a whole bit about a girl fi- named Jordana. So did you see her skit on uh, finger blaster chicken fingers? Yes. Oh my god. Okay, so the music- they're getting finger blasted. So the musician well, one and then two, the female musician. Hmm. Let's go. Back. Let's start with chef. let's do chef. Let's okay. do a think. Yeah, the let's musician. do a think. Um, the chef. I mean, I feel like it's going to be April Bloomfield, Ashley Gabrielle Christian, Gershon. Gabrielle who? Gershon. Oh, um, I would think like Ashley Christensen or April would be really awesome to do that kind of trip with. Yeah. I think Ashley Christensen would be really, really fun out of Raleigh. Yeah. Pool's Diner. I think she would be also a April, blast. April, like you could also get in the, like into the field with April and she would. Yeah. She's in this. Okay. And the musician, I'd like a St. Vincent type character. But I mean, how would, how would that mix with the group that we put I mean, there? you'd have to, it'd have to be a meat eater, which I don't know anyone's preference of. That because does it have to be meteor? That's the entire point we just made. Doesn't you don't have to necessarily? No, but I'm saying for it to be like a full on a full on adventure of like we'll eat anything that comes our way. So Saint Vincent, Amy Schumer, and April Bloomfield. I feel like because like I feel like all the chefs. I mean, they were celebrities. Uh, the, that I, trip were celebrities in their own right. I, it's I, let's just say let's just say either April Bloomfield or Ashley Christensen, whomever has the open schedule. Yeah. And as to the country, I'd say Asia's off the table because James yeah. Murphy already took care of uh, J- Japan, and I feel like then we're just copying it. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm inclined to say like maybe like what's another really good, good. vast and misunderstood food culture like Mexico? Yeah, that they went to Mexico City. I'm going to Mexico City in two days, actually. Ooh. Okay, so then. What's the mix? I, 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 I still don't feel set on a musician choice. Okay, I don't. I don't think it's maybe like a Solange. Oh yeah, Carrie Brownson. Oh, there we go. All right. 
There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a ghost in the room yeah. that just suggested. Okay. So, we got, so let's do April Bloomfield, Ooh. Carrie, Carrie Brownson, and Amy Schumer. With yeah. Jordana Rothman in Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's great. I feel like there's a definite possibility that this ends with like... Um, like us all dying in a hotel room for <laughs> because we took bad drugs. Okay, or so then, so then, let's, <laughs> so, so, so then, so then, let's take the ult, the the ultimate. If yeah. you pair the men's trip and right. the women's trip, what's that city? Are you looking, are you looking at two guys? Oh, two so so those three women the, come together, and, and those, those three, three men. men come together. I would say take them on an eating tour of West Africa. No. What? No. No. You just got back from Africa, so you're like yeah, you're. Not, I don't know why I pronounce it that way, but like Africa. What about, what about maybe like one of the lesser explored Germ- like Germany or like like a European country? <laughs> what if we just like took them to like Estonia? Oh my god! <laughs> as deep as deep in the uh, deep as deep, deep as we could. I mean, could. South America. All I'm going to say, you know, we Chile, could do Peru. Peru. We could go on like a ceviche tour. Ooh, I know it's controversial, but you could also take them to like Moscow or Russia. Well, or- you know, I I do want to say that the way that that I I. I believe that the way that that James Murphy story came about, which was GQ, it was GQ, right? Yeah. Um, was that they were like, they were like messing around one night yeah, talking it about Twitter. it or on Twitter or something. And someone like, you know, was like, let's do it. And they actually sent them. So if anyone wants to send me to Mexico City with, with, those, uh, three women. with those three women, I'll go with any women, honestly. Yeah. I'll go with, I'll go with but I think chicks. It would be... I'll go with dudes. I <laughs> go. But I mean, you would also have to. I mean, would you have to be conscious of writing the story to make sure that it was, like, it was just about, I mean, that it wasn't, like, a gender-specific story or written as a total counterpoint to, like, the other story? Um, I mean, of course, like, I would have to see what happened, but, I mean, that's part of it, right? Like, that, listen, I read that story, too, and I had a great time reading it, yeah. and it won awards, and, you know, it's, that's it's, fantastic, uh, it's but... Par- it's party porn. But, but this is... What is that story? You know, like, what is the story? Are we all... Is, is, is this... It's like this Hunter S. Thompson thing where we're all gonna go and just get, like, super, super fucked up, and then we're gonna write about how fucked up we were and how, like, you know, these things... But it's like, there's something else to say about it, right? Like, why can't I take, you know... Why couldn't it be um, uh, the woman from Barbolanat? What's what's um, Bar- Barbolanat? She's also the Taim. Oh, Ana Admoni, whatever Edet. the Israeli chef. Why couldn't she and I go to Israel or you know or travel in Lebanon or something and like you know talk about that? I mean, that's like a, that's a food store. That's interesting. Yeah, that's rich. Go to Palestine. Wah, wah. Uh, all right, so I know we're getting to the end. Uh, let's talk about. We got, I think we have time for probably two more topics. Uh, most unexpected trend that you're loving right now, and most unexpected trend you're hating right now. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. What are you loving right now? Um, I am loving. <laughs> I'm. I mean, I'll tell you where I'm loving to eat right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm loving the Cleveland. Oh, I haven't been yet. And I'll tell you why I love it. And I, I feel this way sort of with, I mean, I know it's not a fair comparison, but Contra as well. It's just these restaurants where you're going in. It's great food. It's great wine. It's like 50 or 60 bucks. Yeah. It feels comfortable. It's not this just whole like, it's, I, I feel like it's what I, and I'm to blame as much as anyone else. It's just like, I got away from like what I loved about going out to eat, which was just going to these places and then not being this whole like yeah. four hour ordeal that's like. $200. It's just like, I'm just going to go out and I can bring anyone there. We can just go and have a bite and it's good food and good wine. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel 
for a while, like I, I couldn't, you know, it was either like you were done eating in 15 minutes or you were, you had been there for the entire night. Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I like that too. That's what I'm excited about. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You always put me on the spot with this stuff. and I know No, that's no, 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 no. no. A, it can't be always put you in the spot. Because you've done you it for five years. Yeah. So I should just be prepared you know, for it. You know what you're... You, I know. I know. That's a reoccurring trend on this. I know. All right, let's talk about... Because we can talk tre- about... Uh, Mexican food in the city, fresh tortillas, things like that. Sure, yeah. Um, I God, I'm blanking on the name of that restaurant that opened up. Presidente? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm seeing, like, every time I turn around now, I feel like it's, like, fresh masa and tortillas, um, which has, hands down, been the biggest complaint of what I think is, like, really makes crappy Mexican food in New York is that you get these rubbery tortillas, and honestly, that's 60% of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's almost it like about time. talking about tortillas? yeah. Wow. Um, I actually ate a Cafe El Presidente. Um, That's good. Which, I, yeah, I ate there right right when it opened, actually. Um, and it's like, yeah. Mex- it's like a Mexican Italy, sort of. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's really cute in there. Um, you know, I, I think that um, even still, and I, I, I gave this, the, the whole thing with tortillas is that they need to stay warm when you make corn yeah. tortillas. When you make them, they can't cool down and then be warmed up again. That's That's... When you eat a tortilla and it's sort of brittle and falling apart in your hand, that's why. Yeah. Um, and there's mechanisms for that, but we don't have to get into that. But you know, but you can't do that. I know. I see our own Sanchez. Shout out to our own Sanchez at the bar. Uh, he's been hanging out, bringing beers back and forth this whole time. So good for you, our own Sanchez. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Our, our own Sanchez. Look at that. Look at that chain. Anyway, um, so I, I think that even still at Cafe El Presidente, and I even said this to them, like that there's a, you could just tell that they had probably, was probably a few hours from them. They were pulled off of the, yeah. um, of the tortilla. They have a tortilla machine basically from the time that they were being served because they were still brittle. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not a, it's, um, it's kind of like an a la minute thing. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that, the best tortillas are the ones that are just, not, not, I wouldn't say immediately right off the kamal or the griddle, but they're, they have a few minutes to steam in their own heat, so they become more elastic. But that's what makes them good. And if they're not made like that, then they're just not good. I mean, it's kind of like the um, like pizza theory that like even a bad tortilla can still be like satisfying yeah, yeah. if it's like stuffed with whatever. But like it's gonna fall apart, and it's just that you eat it really quickly and you kind of forget, you know, whatever. But but that's it. If you're not making them fresh, they're not good. They're not good. So, you know, the experience of going to Tortilla Nick's Tamal in Queens and yeah. eating, you know, something, eating a taco there, you're like, wow. And then when you buy the tortillas and you bring them home and you put them in the refrigerator and you heat them up two days later, they're just not good. And yeah. they're never going to be good. No. Sorry. You can't, can happen. you can't hack it. But there's a lot of places that are, that are you know, starting to engage on this level. So Cafe El Presidente is, is one. Um, obviously, um, Mission Cantina, Danny mm-hmm. Bowen is doing it. I am still struggling with those tortillas. They're still not for me where they need to be, but um, you know, but he's, he's acknowledged. Them. It's an art. He's working on it. He's yeah. and and, and I'm, I remember when when April uh, Bloomfield opened that Salvation to Tacos in right in Pod Thirty Nine, that hotel. Yeah. You know, she like she got it. I mean, she got she got spanked um, by Pete Wells and and for the tortillas and. She, you know, she she knows, and it's like it presents a challenge for a restaurant kitchen, and that's the whole, you know, what what Alex Stupak does at Empeon, and he they mostly do flour tortillas there, and they're magnificent. Um, you know, one of the things that he has said many times is that, you know, t- 
tacos aren't meant to be plated in a kitchen and brought out into the dining room and eaten like that because right. it's almost like you know the greatest sushi bars in the world where they put the thing in front of you and you eat the thing and then you get the next thing put in front of you. Right. You eat it immediately and that's when it's at its best. It's dying. It's dying as you're marching it through the restaurant. Yeah. Death of the tortilla. Tortilla death march. The tortilla death march, I think, yeah. I like that you self-edited and I really respect you for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so you, you don't have a trend for us? I got to provide the trend. You got nothing you like right now that you're seeing in food? Well, what I'm, what I would say is, because it's, I don't. This is the thing. Like nothing is really presenting itself in a restaurant where I'm like, that's the hot new thing. It's not like when carrots showed up everywhere and I was like, wow, everyone's fucking with carrots. Like it's not. To me, at the moment, there is. Can that be your autobiography? Yeah, fuck Everyone, with carrots. Everyone's fucks, fucking with carrots. Fucks with carrots. Yeah. Dot com. That's a good. Uh, um, that's a good Instagram tag. <laughs> Fuck with carrots. I feel like that's like a, we- a webcam girl already has that. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Can you imagine if they had like a like a but, uh, a duty uh, strip club? But I, I'm gonna has- say something. I'm gonna say okay, a, okay, if okay. you're still talking about duties, I'm gonna say something important, and okay. you're talking about duties. Um, but so anyway, my point is that like nothing is leaping out at me that feels like this is the this is the, the thing that you're going to be seeing on plates right now. But what I do think is that there's a lot more engagement around intellectual engagement around food and and topics around food. So, you know, Cherry Bomb was a great example of that, where it was like there's this conversation that we need to have and we need to like rally around this this like you know this this thing. It was like a thought exercise, and everyone got together and we you know. We, we played around with these things and we held the jewel in our hands and looked at it from all these different angles and it was valuable. And now, um, you know, Will Goddard is doing the same thing um, with the Welcome Conference, which is a hospitality conference, which is happening on the 17th in New York City. And of course, there's still, you know, the Mad Symposium in Copenhagen and there's the Miss America in Mexico City and there's all of these opportunities to really start digging in. And I think that what I'm seeing more than anything, if I was going to say a trend, is that it's just, it's not really enough to just you know, open a restaurant and, and, you know, just kind of swing wildly, you know, at the air. It just food should have, you know, a point of view and should, and should, uh, should have a story story and should incite conversation. And that's what I'm seeing. That's what I think is important right now. I would, I would agree. I mean, also, and there's no way to ignore that climate is going to become a very, very large factor into it. I mean, there was an article that came out recently that, um, a lot of the crops because of this winter didn't really come through or they're getting a late start and that's yeah. going to uh, drive food prices or things we must have. Look at the lime situation right now. That's right. I mean, whoever thought about lime, literally everyone just took limes for granted. And now they're... Yeah, I have to say, I, I got so annoyed. I had, so this weekend is the Manhattan Cocktail Classic in New York and I know it's not on our agenda so we won't talk about it but I just want to say, I got a press release and you know, I get like, I get about a thousand emails a day, like between 800 and a thousand emails. So most of it's like batch delete, like sorry publicist that like calls me Jordan. So, so you got Jordan, the, you got Jordan other Roddy. press emails? I got a pre- you didn't want to? Oh yeah. I mean, it just happens, whatever. So anyway, I got this one that was a, a contest for the world's largest Kyperinia cocktail that they were like hand muddling during MCC and don't worry because all the proceeds for the ticket sales however much they cost are benefiting American lime producers and I wrote them back which is again rare I usually like bachelor this stuff I wrote them back and I said are you working are you getting limes from some American producer like how is this working and she's like oh no we're getting them from Manhattan Fruit Exchange and I was like where does Manhattan Fruit Exchange get them and she's like Mexico and it's just it's just so absurd to me. Like, really? You think this is the best use of one of the most precious resources in food right now? A, f- a stunt? 
the world's largest Cyprinia and you're benefiting American lime producers? Come on. It's so absurd. I mean, when are people going to pull their fucking heads out of their asses and do something valuable? It's garbage. The guy in Nepal? <laughs> right? The guy in Nepal. All right, so what's your least food, f- food trend right now? Talking about food trends. All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk restaurants because we talked about some last year. Um, yeah. What's, uh, where have you been eating? Where are you looking forward to that's opening? Um, well, I've been, I, we mentioned it earlier, but I'm really into Narciso right now, mm-hmm. the John Fraser restaurant, really into what he's doing with vegetables. Um, I don't remember if Estella was open this time last year, it but it, it was wasn't, it was about to open. That's emerged. I mean, I've said this a thousand times over, but like it's emerged as sort of my favorite new restaurant for sure. I've been very, very excited by what's going on there. Can we self plug and say that on Tuesday? Yes. We're doing our first barbecue blowout of the season with Estella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and good. Turing Machine DJ, which has become a nice trend or brewery, tradition. Like that You can go to uh, just search Barbecue Blowout of Stella. I don't even have the URL. Yeah, where can we buy tickets? Online through Eventbrite. It's bbqblowoutmay2014.eventbrite.com. Yeah. We used to have a website, but we gave up on that a long time ago. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, well, when you're only updating it and four then I'm times very, a year. I'm actually very excited in terms of openings. I'm excited about... Um, about um, I I, compl- I always mess up this name, but it's Batard. But I can cons- I I always call it Bestardo for some reason, wow. for obvious reasons I think. But Batard is the um, in the Cortone space with John Winterman, oh, and, yeah. and and I think that could be a really interesting. They they're they're opening very soon, like in a, just a few weeks, and I'm really excited to see what they have working up there. And also Barquetta, the um, the uh, it's not is it Dave? No, it's not Dave Pasternak. Who is that? It's a seafood place. It is. It's Dave Pasternak? No. That place. Ghost with the information coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm excited for Sarah Simmons' place, the new fried chicken place. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what's a crazy story? Speaking of total ghost stories. Hit me. I am a friend of Sarah Simmons, and she was asking me about that space before she signed the lease, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been in there. And I said, before you do any construction, let's, like, take all the furniture out and roller skate in the place. Like when it's empty, because you're always going to have this memory, like before your restaurant opened, before you blew up, like we roller skated in this place. And that's like this special memory that we'll always have. And she was down for it. And she was in the space and she was like clearing it out. She was clearing out all of the, you know, debris from the old restaurant. And she texted me a photo of a pair of roller skates that she just found in the restaurant. Whoa. How crazy is that? Did you go roller skating with those roller skates? Not yet, but like my name's on those for sure. If they're the same okay. size as your feet. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. Although I will say like I have this idea in my head of like how great I'd look in like, you know, knee high socks and like, you know, little shorts and like, a, you know, like a sweatband around my head and like pigtails maybe like roller skating. But actually it would probably be like. You know, watching like a toddler take their very first tentative steps. You know, I'd be like really shaky. So I don't know if you guys should be there. Is my point? Oh, I I didn't realize. I didn't even realize you had invited us. Thank you. Well, I don't want you to. I don't want you to witness this. I think this is like a girl's own. Watching people roller skate is like brunch. I'm busy. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) What? (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. Um, And last, last thing, last. What are you up to this year? Oh, um, I got a big. I got a big thing on the horizon. Oh, we can't talk about that. Uh, is yeah. I, um, First off, I would you say have your hand in many different pots, so we can just talk pies. about things. Pies, pies, my thumb specifically, not my whole. I hand. like hands and pots. It's thumbs and pies. <laughs> I still like hands and pots. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no. Um, well, I'm, I'm working on a big project, which I'm really excited about. Give me like a few weeks and we can talk a little bit more about it. Um, but how, how about a whole year? How about we talk about it next year? You know, just like bring me on in a few weeks. Great. It's fun. Great. Talk all about that. Um, and uh, otherwise, like I'm just kind of plugging away with my freelance stuff. I just wrote a story that I'm really, really psyched about um, that ran recently on Madfeed, um, which is the Renee Redzepi blog uh um, companion blog to the Mad Symposium in, in Copenhagen, and it was just, it was such a good challenge for me. Um, it was about restaurant dynasties and, and families, people who were born into the restaurant business and what that means, and if it's a burden or an honor or a little bit of both. So, if, is it less of a burden now, now that food's become such a big part of pop culture? It's a very good question. Um, it's a very good question. I, that's not, that's not a topic that we got into, yeah. but I, I would say, um, probably. I mean, culturally, it's just a different thing now to sort of get into the restaurant business. It's a more, you know... Like you can be a fucking rock star yeah. and run, like, a dynasty restaurant. There's just, I think, more of a of a general, like, a broader understanding of, like, this is valuable, and right. so I'm going to do this. You know, it's... Yeah, like, and it's not just, like, blue-collar convict shit like that anymore. It's, like, I'm, like... Yeah. What? That's what people used to think about. I'm, I... I hear people, you. People can't see you nodding in agreement. They just hear the pause and think that you're disagreeing. I wasn't pausing. I was not pausing. There was no pause. No pause. Anyway, um, but, you know, so so more of that. More of that. I just, Great. I'm looking for a sort of, you know, I like to do those kind of stories where I can really dig in. Are you finding t- that, I mean, obviously you have- like lots of constraints, but like the longer form, deeper research type of pieces. That's that's what I'm taking right now. I so mean, awesome. I, I you know I do I do some of the shorter stuff, you know, to just fill the lot larder. But the stuff that I'm really you know promoting that I'm excited about tends to be more intensive, idea driven. Uh, and then, are um, you going to Mads this year? Are you going to go to Copenhagen? No. So well, last question, since you have you have the mic, uh, what story do you want to pitch that you should, someone should pay you to write? Twins in Mexico City with Jordana Rothman. <laughs> no, it has to be girls. No, it doesn't. We're the dream team. Three of us. I think I would like to write about that issue that we were talking about earlier. The idea of the this, you know, the moving target that is awesome. authentic food. I think that's a really interesting idea, and I, I'd like to explore that. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. That means that you have to go travel to those places, then come back to here for the people can, related to them. Can I ask sounds w- terrible. what country or where would you go to try and find authenticity? Hmm. Um, I mean, I'd prop. I mean, sort of anywhere, right? But I mean, a country where I'd like to explore the food culture, which I don't know that much about. I mean, um, I would love to do like North Africa, like that. Like spice pantry is really interesting to me. You're just like, Greg is making this wide Jesus stance right now because we were just talking about Africa. You were in West Africa. It's different. True. Fine. It's a big. Fine. Co- it's a big country. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'd love to make, I'd love to do that trip. I mean, I think that those are really, that's, that's a really another food culture with like really complex kind of mind blowing spicing that you really need to be inside of to really understand. I'd love to explore that. The nuances. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I can't believe, oh shit. We've talked a lot. We have. We have. And I unfortunately don't think you made any predictions that I can call you on next year. What about the what about the the conferences and all of the yeah. intellectual dialogue around way, food? I mean, or, or, or let's, let's try happened. and hope that like you get you can write that article with Carrie 
And our uh, Carrie, team. April, and Amy. I'll give you guys a finder's fee. That'd be amazing. That'd be great. Just bring, just bring us um, a, a, like a take-home plate. <laughs> when you fly home from your last meal, like, oh, here's the doggy bag. One peop- person we forgot to shout out was Lucky Peach, who took home five James Beard Awards. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Well, that was part of my, our conversation last that year. That was part too. of our conversation last year, how they changed the food game. And just shout out to them. I mean, and they also wrote that huge article on Masa. And yeah. the street food thing, which... There's just what Lucky Peach has done is provide. I think they've just provided a space from for that kind of content. It's yeah. raised the bar, I think, across the board. I mean, like people are looking for meatier, more um, nice. depth-driven content than than they were before. And at the same time, they also want like top ten lists of like the best hot dogs or whatever. So hopefully, like we ensnare them with the hot dogs and come for the hot dogs, stay for the um, you know dense story about restaurant family on the origin, on the origin of like a hot dog case. Come, yeah, come for the hot dog, right. stay for the carrot origin story. <laughs> stay for the expose about well, the meatpacking plant. Jordana, thank you again for joining us. <laughs> Do you want to shout out your uh, social media whatnots? Oh yes, um, I'm at Jordana Rothman on Twitter and Instagram, and you should follow me on both. Although I'm really more active on Twitter. That's more. really yeah. I never use Twitter. I just use Instagram. I'm, I don't know. That's how you want to end the show? No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough. We have a really, really awesome uh, summer coming up, I guess, starting on Tuesday. Hopefully you'll come. Hopefully you'll both come. Ghosts. Ghosts, <laughs> ghosts in the room. Ghosts, ghosts in the room. Um, but I shout out to DJ Diesel Boy, wherever he wherever may he or may is. not be. <laughs> Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna end the show on a positive summer note with one of our favorite bands. This is Hold Steady. Wait, and one last summer. question: <laughs> Summer vegetable you're looking forward to eating? Don't say ramps. Peaches. Well, that's not a vegetable, but I'm so excited for peaches. It's close. Fair enough. Uh, and do you like and a peach that's like a little bit underripe? Like I w- this is what I want. I want a peach. That is so like disgustingly overripe that it's like pornographically like its flesh is pressing up against the fuzzy skin and you know that it's about to burst and it's gonna like get all over your face. I want a peach that it would be obscene to eat in public. So I want eat, a, eat I want a peach that I wouldn't eat in front of my mom. Play that song, Darren. All right.
thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.